0: A couple quick notes about this week's show before we get started. Joe Kilgallen and I recorded yesterday before the Jock Peterson trade broke. So we're going to have a whole discussion about trades where we're going to act like Jock Peterson is still part of the Cubs and where we think that the Braves might be sellers and obviously – That looks a little bit weird now, given yesterday's news. Second note, Joe was kind enough to join me. We had a couple guest appearances from his adorable son, Dylan. Uh, Please just put up a little bit with some of the background noise. We're all doing the work from home thing and just trying to bring you some great Cubs content in the best way we can. I know that you will be kind about those small interruptions. It's a great episode. Make sure you listen to it and leave us a rating uh, if you like this content and you're looking for more. Okay, on to the show. Welcome to Cub Cubby Blue. Your, the second half starts Friday home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, part of the SB Nation family of team sites, and you can find us wherever you get your podcast by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs for Bleed Cubby Blue and baseball in general for Fangraphs. Andy can't be with us today, but I'm thrilled to be joined by a special guest. Joe Kilgallen is funnier than I am. Uh, He is also the host of Locked on Cubs and frankly, one of the only members of the Cubs Twitter universe that I wanted to have a conversation about what to expect for the 2021 Cubs in the second half as we head towards the trade deadline. Joe, thanks for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me, Sarah. I don't know if I'm funnier than you. Maybe on stage. (laughs) I think... I think you got quite the sense of humor you're definitely a way better writer than i am so you got that going for you <laughs> we'll,
0: we'll balance each other out here and see how it goes uh, part of the reason i wanted to have joe on today if you are a cubs twitterati type person you know it's bleak out there the cubs are sellers for the first time in like five years and frankly 90% of the other writers who are out there are going to do the following dance, and I just want to get y'all prepared for it because you haven't been through it for a few years, so you got, you got to be ready for fake Ken Rosenthal, okay? Every single rumor that any person who has ever had any connection or pseudo connection to the Cubs wants to start in the next few weeks is going to be able to start that rumor. And that rumor is going to get retweeted by about 15 different people to make it look. Like, 15 people said that thing, but in actuality, it's all, like, one person saying that thing. And so I really just think you've got to prepare yourself here and be a little media savvy, because otherwise, the rumors are going to break your heart. You're going to be selling Kyle Hendricks to the New York Yankees for, like, two guys who are 15 years old that will never play in the major leagues, and you're just going to drive yourself totally insane. Joe, what is your strategy for dealing with fake Ken Rosenthal season?
1: My main strategy... Well, thankfully, we haven't had to be sellers in a long time. But in the off season, you know, the rumors really ramp up, especially uh, for our Cubs these last couple of years. If I don't get the notification from the Cubs app or MLB.com, I don't I don't look for it. I, I I basically try. Obviously, there's a lot of reputable sources out there. But if I don't see at least three or four of them, it needs you need multiple sources of confirmation these days. I think that's a good strategy for all your information that you come across in this world. As great as social media could be sometimes, it's a a wonderful tool for propaganda, baseball propaganda. It's not just for politics, everyone. It's out there in the world of baseball.
0: Yeah, it totally is. In fact, that reminds me, uh, Chris Hayes, who is a political dude on MSNBC and also a Cubs fan, on his podcast once said that the only thing worse than political Twitter was baseball Twitter. (laughs) And that made me laugh because I know exactly what baseball Twitter he's following. And and he's not wrong. I mean, Cubs Twitter kind of lives and dies with every win, with every loss, even when the team is good. And at this moment in time, the team is not good. They are on pace for 78 wins, give or take, depending on which projection system you're looking at. That number is going to go down when they trade some of the players who we're going to talk about in a little bit. And you know, Joe, one of the things you say on Twitter all the time is that it shows that some of you have not have only been fans since 2015. And, man, we are going to see a lot of that in the coming weeks. So how do people keep an even keel dealing with what I am going to call a retool rather than a rebuild? And we'll get into why I am distinguishing that in a second. But how are we going to keep people from just absolutely swiping at each other here?
1: Well, I mean, there's, there are things to look forward to, and you could spin things in an exciting way the final two months in the sense that, hey, we'll get a, a look at Justin Steele in the rotation, and, you know, a few guys we could give a real chance to grow, where when you're constantly contending, you don't have those moments of, oh, let's just let this guy, let's give this guy a chance or that guy a chance. You know, you're contending. You have to go for it and put all your chips into the middle of the table and all that kind of stuff, and it's – You know, Jed Hoyer said it's kind of nice that we have a reset in a a sense. Like, obviously, he didn't mean, like, I'm glad we're losing. But they never had that advantage. Where, except the Dodgers, you you look at every team during one of their windows of contention, they've had an off year in the middle in which they were able to be like, you know what, let's see what this kid has. Let's see what this AAA arm has. And we could get a good two months look at him and see what he's got. Like, the Astros uh, missed the playoffs in 2016. You know, there's been a few other teams that Boston, I feel like they win a World Series and they're terrible for two years and they win another World Series. So these other teams were able to do that. So I guess that's a positive thing. And as far as, you know, I keep thinking of this, that Oasis song, Don't Look Back in Anger. I feel like if I would have told anyone in 2015, this is going to be the Cubs next seven years. I, I wouldn't give you the order, but I said in this next seven years, they'll make the playoffs five times. Three NLCS appearances, a World Series. They're going to have great seasons. They'll have three different guys finish top five in MVP voting. A Cy Young. All this like wonderful things. Would you take that? And everyone would be like, of course. So I, I try to tell myself that just because the final season of Game of Thrones was terrible doesn't mean the whole series was bad. It was it was mostly really awesome. And um, and there was just a lot of unfortunate events that really just kind of soured the Cubs' growth there toward the end. I, I always feel pe- I always hear people say oh, we should have done this, we should have done that. And then I go, okay, but if you do that, then there's a domino. You know, I know a lot of people are like, we should have traded Kyle Schwarber for Andrew Miller. I'm like, okay, but Schwarber had four twelve in the World Series. You know, I I like Andrew Miller better than Chapman for numerous reasons. But, you know, you can't – it's like Jenga. You take one piece, all these other pieces are going to fall down. So I I guess, you know, I don't know if if that was positive at all, but if you're looking for something positive, Cubs fans, let's enjoy what could be, um, you know, the last – couple of weeks, with some of our favorite players, but also let's understand that I like to use the term retool because the, there is a farm system on the rise and so much money to spend and there's no reason for them not to. And then if they don't, then, then yeah, I'll, I'll lead the, the protest outside of Wrigley with the rest of you.
0: Well, the Red Sox are a great example of this. You mentioned them as a team that wins the world series and then kind of like really hits rock bottom and that has benefited them. Quite a bit, right? Like they have managed to get high draft picks in seasons fairly close after they won a championship or were deep in the playoffs. They just had um, the, oh, and I'm blanking on his name, Marcelo. I am sorry, kid. You were supposed to be one of the top draft picks and I just blanked on your name on this podcast, but you know, he just felt a high school four. player. He felt yes. to number.
1: Yeah. He fell um, to
0: number four. And instead South of going California. to the pirates or the Orioles or one of the teams that the Tigers, one of the teams who has really been tanking for the last few years, he goes to the Red Sox who won a world series in 2018. That is a player who could make a huge difference for this Red Sox team in just a few short years. So there are advantages to having those down seasons, right? Like those giants teams, when it was the even year giants, they weren't constantly in the playoffs. They were like, In the World Series, and then they were bad, (laughs) and they took a year off, and they took a break, and that is not something that the Chicago Cubs have dealt with in the last few years. We we frankly just witnessed the golden age of Cubs baseball. Like, unless you were around in 1906, you've never seen anything like this. So be grateful for it. Cheer for your favorite people while they are still Cubs. I, every time I go to Wrigley Field, I'm just grateful I can write Javier Baez's name in the lineup one more time. I'm grateful that I get to see Chris Bryant come up in a clutch situation because, yes, Chris Bryant is clutch people. Um, but speaking of specific names, there are a lot of one-year deals here. There are a lot of guys that have some trade value. So let's just get right into it. And we're not going to do the whole like sell-off, the whole team, but I do think it is worth noting that the following players have some real value and could be on the move. And we're going to start with Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant was an all-star. He was asked about this during the all-star game, which was kind of awkward for <laughs> KB's like mic'd up on the field talking about how he might not be a cub anymore in a couple of weeks, but but he's probably not going to be And And how are you feeling about Chris Bryant? He was supposed to be the face of this franchise for years to come. It just doesn't look like it's going to be the thing.
1: I'm really hoping they could pull off the, trade and then sign back in the offseason. season. Um, it doesn't really happen too often. There's a couple examples in the last decade. Oh, if I could add to it too. I remember this, the Cubs, when we made the playoffs in 2017, we ended the trend of winning the World Series and not making the playoffs the next year. That was the trend for a while. Teams would win the World Series and then not be in October the very next year. Um, in retrospect, maybe we should have just allowed for the World Series hangover in 2017 could have, anyway. But uh, Chris Bryant, Yes. It feels like, besides Kimbrell, he is definitely the top trade chip. If you're a contending team, I don't understand how you wouldn't want this guy. He could play five different positions happily. He's got tons of playoff experience. His whole career, besides 2019 and now this year, has been playoff experience. Great leader. He could fit into any clubhouse. And, yeah, and he's got a, a big power bat and a good plate approach. So... There's going to be teams calling. There's going to be teams offering. I really though am hoping that they don't trade him, of course, but I think they should in this. I don't think they should. I think they should extend him, but if they're going to trade him, I want, I think you got to get at least two top 100 prospects. And I know teams don't really, the, the whole thing of giving up a lot for a rental, that really hasn't happened over the last three or four years. I feel like the Cubs with Chapman was the last big one. Um, and the Dodgers maybe gave up a little bit for Darvish in 2017, but for the most part, I haven't really seen a big splash splash. Um, Astros for Granky. you know, that wasn't a rental. I'm going t- to take that back, but yeah, been,
0: the Cubs for Castellanos gave up uh Isak Paredes and um, Jamer Candelario who has been playing for the Tigers. Like, like the Cubs have, you know, this is actually, I hate to cut you off for a second, but this is actually one of my pet peeves. The Cubs or no, Candelario might have been for the Avila. I, yeah, I might he was be, Justin Wilson, yeah. the one. Yeah, two years prior. Um, but but my point is, the Cubs hit the timeline of this all wrong. When they traded for people that were rentals at the deadline, they gave up real players who were going to have a real impact in your MLB lineup within a year or two. When the Cubs, when it comes time for the Cubs to trade their guys nobody's doing that anymore it's like they've hit the worst timeline on both sides right they gave up their farm system and nobody else is going to give up their farm system it drives me bananas
1: well yeah i mean 2019 especially mentioned the castellanos trade which ended up working out great though too and um i think alex slang was the one guy i believe he has made the show um since the other guy i don't think has done much um but it was one of those things where it was Madden's final year of his contract. You know, they got Kimberl. I felt like they, the front office thought we owe it to Joe to give him as, as much tools as necessary to make the playoffs in October. Um, and then remember in 2019, Javi missed like most of the final month of the season. Anthony Rizzo's foot exploded in that weird injury. Remember that with the pitchers? And he came back. Looked-
0: he came back.
1: He came back, and that's the thing too. When fans question the effort, and I don't, I know we'll get to that a little bit later. I guess. After I'll save that. Um, but yeah, that ended that 2019, and then the pandemic happened in 2020. The Cubs really did hit some. We- I, I I know there was mistakes, but there's also some bad luck. I'm sorry. My two-year-old son came running up. I didn't even know he was home. Hey, buddy. I don't know if you hear him in the background. <laughs> I um, can,
0: and I think our listeners can too. But honestly, I think I think it provides a little bit of color. This is normally a show where we're talking about what Andy's doing with her daughters on a on a pretty periodic sorry. basis.
1: <laughs> sorry, my wife's out. dragging him away. I'll talk to you later, Dylan. Sorry, Daddy's got to analyze the 2019 season for some reason now. Um, <laughs> apologize, listeners. Yeah. So, yeah, again, like obviously there was mistakes made by ownership and not spending and the front office made some mistakes and all that. But it does crack me up when I think about because I, I always wanted to shed, shred or shed, I should say, the whole notion of same old Cubs. Because after we won the World Series, I remember thinking like no same old Cubs. We won the World Series now. Let's get rid of this whole idea that only this happens to us. Because I've talked to people who are fans of other teams, as I'm sure you have, been someone who travels around and has lived across the country. This does happen to other teams, too, but it is a little comical that the second half of the Cubs, or like the last four or five years post-World Series, a global pandemic happened, screwing up so much for the Cubs in a lot of ways, because you had players who were thinking, I remember thinking Kyle Schrober turned the corner in 2019. The pandemic happens and everyone's like bad Schwarber again. But then here he is in 2021 and he's an all-star looking like the guy that turned the corner in 2019. And there were so many great players with bad 2020s. I was doing a list, Pete Alonzo, Nolan Arenado, Yellich, Bryant, uh, Shohei Otani had a terrible 2020. There were so many great players who just did bad years. And it makes sense because it was a global pandemic. These guys, normal people, when you have a slump are like, you know what? I'm gonna hit the casino tonight. I need to take my mind off baseball. Couldn't do that in 2020, you know, so it was just a very difficult year for everybody. I think Chris Bryant, though, you need to get a package that you truly, because uh, letting him go is already such a major sin to me for this organization to have a, a, a franchise player like this. You know, I've talked about with our buddy Crawley that it feels like it's going to be like akin to not re-signing Greg Maddox in 92. Um, so I got off message. I'm trying to get back on with Chris Bryant that you need to get something that you feel like could impact this team i don't I don't want this darvish lottery tickets of you know four teenagers and you know a couple of them are looking pretty good so far but again it feels like a lottery ticket so they better get something pretty strong
0: yeah I agree with that and i I also hope that they can get some players with some um and more immediate impact than we're gonna see from the darvish trade i I think that their draft strategy actually indicates that they're looking at a shorter time frame than the Darvish trade indicated. But we'll talk about that in a little bit too. The the maybe bigger trade chip than Chris Bryant, uh, who you mentioned, is, is Craig Kimbrell. Craig, Kimbrell is interesting for two reasons. One, he's not just a rental. The Cubs have a team option for $16 million, which is an eminently affordable uh, price for a guy who looks like he is right back to being the Hall of Fame closer that we all thought he was when the Cubs signed him. Craig Kimbrell is one of those guys I think you could see a little bit of a bidding war start since you're getting another year of his services, potentially, in addition to getting him for this season for the playoff stretch. And the Cubs don't have to let him go. Like $16 million for a closer for 2022 wouldn't be terrible, right? I mean, I think they will. But I, I think that that allows Jed to sort of have a, I'll walk away. I don't <laughs> I don't need to let this guy go and turn him into prospects. There's We can talk next year, right?
1: Sure. Yeah, that's that's what is nice about Kimberl. I think that's the one where I'm like, we definitely should trade him, though. Even though what you just said is perfectly right, $16 million on a one-year deal for an elite closer is, is good money. I really think, though, the Cubs, at least I gather that they are very confident in their ability to find relievers and turn them into something really good. I feel like the last two years, we saw this in 2020 and in 2021, the strength has been the bullpen so i've heard yeah I, I want them to get a bidding war going for kimbrough i feel like you know you don't really want to speculate but oakland and houston seem to be two teams and i know um if they could get a triple like a top 50 prospect for him would be ideal at least i, I think they can or if not um i saw there's a triple a arm or two out there that a couple teams with some pitching depth might be willing to give up for him and then that's someone you know they they really need pitching depth going into 2021 because it's we all we I mean going into 2022 I should say with the injuries in 2021 we still don't know what the the next year is going to be um there's already rumors that people feel like guys are going to get injured because they've been used to gripping the ball in such a way that they're now going to overcompensate to get more spin and and we don't really know who's who with that world yet. Um, just such a crazy time in Major League Baseball right now. Is there going to be a strike? Pitchers aren't allowed to do this. That guy's got sweaty hair. Is that allowed? Like, you know.
0: this, the sticky stuff thing is so wild. Lately, it's been really humid here in Chicago, as I'm sure you're aware. And I keep finding myself as I'm walking down the street to get my coffee or whatever. I'm like, oh, my fingers are stickier. This is what they mean when they're talking about the ball. I'm like, oh, my God, all I think about sticky stuff and spin rate. This is so out of control. Uh, But it's not just Chris Bryant and and Craig Kimbrell. There are a couple of names that have not been high on people's radars here. And and I want to talk about them too. One guy who is a little bit controversial here is is Javier Baez. Javier Baez is having a great season. He's having an above average season. His WRC plus is at 107. He, if you look at his on pace numbers, they're kind of absurd. It's like, oh, the dude might hit 48 home runs and have 130 RBIs. And he's going to strike out 250 times for a, an, like 30% K rate, right? I mean, it's just out of control. Although credit to Javi, who was taking walks right before the, the All-Star break at an, at an absurd amount, like at a career high amount. And if that is true, the Cubs might have unlocked something with Javier Baez that I'm here for. The glove still plays. You have to imagine that some team would be interested in that. Is it possible that the Cubs trade Javi?
1: You know, I was going over the list of players who I thought would get traded and ranking them in order. I had Kimbrell one, Brian two, Javi three. And a lot of people are like, well, they need to keep someone to sell tickets and all that kind of stuff. Could be. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Rizzo gets moved at this point either. But with Javi, We sometimes forget as Cubs fans because it's been a while because he's been such a mainstay at shortstop. He plays a phenomenal second base, phenomenal third base. I remember during the 2016 season at one point, Chris Bryant said, We're at our best when I'm in left field and Javi's at third. Like Chris said that himself. And I remember listening to like the score and and the announcer the radio, whoever was uh you know, hosting at that time was joking, saying like Scott Boris is going to call him up and say, never say that again. You are more valuable to me as a client, as an all-star third baseman. Do not tell people that the team is better off with you in the outfield. Uh, but that was the kind of guy Chris is. Yeah, Hobby is, if I'm a playoff team, I'm calling up the Cubs for Hobby, Even if it's like, you know what? You bet him sixth. That's what I would do. I would bet him sixth and just let him be himself. But it is interesting that you brought up the walks because I, I don't like the notion of the typical Cubs. If Javi could go signs with his next team, say in 2022, and has a walk rate of 8%, which would be double what he normally has, I that would make me go, you know what, maybe there is something going on here because this is a guy who swung at everything. And now all of a sudden he's disciplined after we let him go. Um, I mean, yeah, Javi's the most exciting player in baseball. He's so marketable. I, I think if you're a team in contention, you'd be crazy not to want to have a dynamic guy like that, because as we know, he's the guy who could, he could carry your team for two weeks. He could carry your team for, you know, and then the playoffs, that is huge to have a guy that you, you don't know, could just go off. Um, or we know he could also go 0 for the week and strike out 40 times and, and drive you crazy with how he strikes out because he will give away at bats, which is frustrating and um, maybe he wants to change the scenery, though. Maybe that would benefit him. I think he loves Chicago and everything. If he goes, I hate the Mets, but him and Lindor together, sounds kind of cool. They're best friends. I'd root for that.
0: It would be so fun. I, I don't hate the Mets, but and I don't want Javi to go anywhere. Javi is my second favorite player. On the Cubs after Wilson Contreras, everybody knows you Wilson like Contreras Wilson Contreras. My favorite, I know, isn't, isn't I didn't isn't know you like Wilson Contreras, right? Uh, he's right here in this post. Interestingly, Wilson Contreras not super high on the list of trade targets, but we'll talk about him towards the end because there are a few guys beyond. You know, we've mentioned Rizzo, we've mentioned Javi. I think Rizzo's less likely to move than Javi, KB, or Kimbrel at this point, just because he's not having as good of a season. And I think that the Cubs do really want to try to find a way to keep him in the fold. He is the captain, whether he has a C on his chest or not. Um, There are some interesting one-year contracts, and I really feel like Jed Hoyer manufactured this roster with a lot of one-year contracts to give him maximum flexibility if the team did what they're doing right now. You know, Joe, you and I were on a panel at the end of the 2019 season where I remember saying, this is not an 82-win team. This is a 92-win team or it's a 70-win team, because if they look like a 500 team at the trade deadline, Hoyer is going to sell. And that has been true for multiple seasons now. He has been waiting for the opportunity to turn some of these contracts that were going to come off the books or some of these guys who are not going to necessarily resign into prospects to rebuild the farm. He just hasn't had the opportunity because of the pandemic and some other things that have happened here, right? Um, So Andrew Chafin is one of the best relievers in baseball. He's a lefty out of the pen. He could probably close for some teams, he's certainly a, a great seventh or eighth inning guy for almost every team that's in contention. Uh, Chaffin's on a one year deal. Jock Peterson, look, we might all be sad that he's not Kyle Schwarber and he's not having the his- he didn't have the historic run Schwarber did before Schwarber got hurt, but Jock Peterson absolutely mashes. <laughs> pitching in a platoon situation right like he's not good against lefties but you just leave that guy in against high velocity and let him do his or did I mix did I reverse the platoon there I'm having one of these days anyway Jack peterson is in a platoon. i think you situation. said it right
1: he, he kills yeah. righties yeah he kills
0: righties that's what okay that's i thought i accidentally said he killed lefties and i'm like that's the opposite you know y'all my brain
1: me- might be off with yours though so we're insane
0: they're <laughs> both do, doing like the lack of sleep thing here with this podcast y'all need to bear with us just a tiny bit but my point is that peterson in a platoon situation is an outstanding addition to a lot of teams jake Marisnyk is an a plus plus defensive center fielder. We have seen what he can do when he's making contact, and he's actually maintained his WRC plus numbers despite the injury. I mean, he's not in the qualified leaderboards right now, but he's been an above average bat for the Chicago Cubs, and he plays a great center field. I think a lot of these guys could go for a handful of spare parts because they're not at, they're not good for anything on a season that you're going to you're not competing in.
1: Yeah, you know what? Let me check something on Chafin because I thought I heard that he has an option. No, he does not. Does he? All right, but um, no, I think you 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 nailed it, especially with Jock Peterson. His playoff, his career playoff numbers are are great. He hit three ninety in the World Series last year and took a ninety nine mile an hour fastball up in the zone off of uh, uh, a Is that his name. Really yeah. good looking pitcher. Yeah, Tyler he Glassnow. um. Yeah, he and it was it was a pitch where I was like nobody hits that, and he blasts it the other way. So Jack Peterson does have a flair for that. I think Jock does get moved. I, I actually think he gets. I know we don't want to speculate, but I think he stays in the city. If you know what I'm saying, um, I, that's where I think that he goes. And then I think I here's what I don't want Mariznick moved, and I'm hoping Jed Hoyer's thinking the way I'm thinking. And this might be a segue because I know we're going to get to it eventually. I keep. I personally would like to keep Mariznick. Resign him to you know maybe he wants two years to stay because he'll, he'll probably have some offers. I would like him to keep center field warm until probably around June first ish of 2022, in which we get our guy Brennan Davis up futures game MVP because th- that's where I see it. Um, the other current center fielder might be a non tender candidate. I'm not really sure what's going on there. Um, it's, it's sad. It's sad what's gonna happen really because everything I've heard about him he's an amazing person. Um, you know, very charitable and all that stuff. But yeah, just not having a good year, Ian Happ.
0: Yeah, Ian Happ. And, you know, it's interesting, Ian Happ and Albert Almora Jr. both struggling in that center field leadoff type of role, both really high draft picks that the Cubs had a lot of high hopes for, and they just didn't, have not been panning out. I'm sure Michael Sarami is listening and, like, cursing us somewhere because he's the biggest Ian Happ fan in the universe. But it has just not been a great season for uh, Mr. Happ. The, let's talk about uh, future game, Futures game MVP Brennan Davis for a second. We'll move some of these um, team climate issues to the other end of the break. But if you did not watch the Futures game, and who can blame you? MLB scheduled it against a bunch of Major League Baseball games in the middle of the day and only scheduled it for seven innings, because why would you want to showcase the future of your talent when people are actually going to watch it? You should go back and watch it. Um, Brennan Davis hit not one, but two absolute, no doubt blast. One was to dead center. The other one was to left field, but he looks legit. And he was the MVP of the future game. I am here for the day where he takes over in left field. And I don't think it's that far away. I don't think he'll get called up in September because I don't think there's any incentive for the Cubs to start his clock in a year where they're not contending. And when the CBA is, uh, they don't know what the collective bargaining agreement is going to look like. That's going to hopefully get renegotiated. Uh, expeditiously in December. Um, Hopefully there won't be a work stoppage, but there's no reason to start Brennan Davis's clock for a team that's not going anywhere while all of that is murky and in the air. But I think, Joe, I think you're absolutely right. We could see him in 2022 and wow, he looks legit.
1: That swing is this. I always look for the swing first, which I imagine most people do, but it's just so fluid and so smooth and so compact that where Ian Happ is such a long swing. Although he he got it de- he got it down the other year. I don't know what happened to him anyway. Uh, Brendan Davis though is a guy who his strikeouts are up a little bit, but I think that's part of adjusting to Double A because you know there was no minor league season in 2020. But if you look at his 2019 minor league uh, numbers, uh, he was very low strikeout rate, and that that was what was interesting. It felt like Jed and Theo definitely learned that the league was adjusting because their top three 2018 draft picks are guys who are more on the contact side. It was Nico Horner was taking the first round, Brendan Davis the second round, and I believe uh, Cole Roeder was the third pick. And, well, he actually just had Tommy John surgery, which is a bummer because he was having a nice uh, – he was on during a nice stretch of games he was having, and then, you know, hopefully he comes back fine next year. But, yeah, Brendan Davis, uh, the defense, I think, plays – a lot of people think, you know, he's playing center field right now some feel like he can stay there. He's been playing, you know, above average. Again, he's only 21, which makes him young for Double A. Even uh, I looked something I recently, and this might have changed because it, it was like 10 days ago, and he had a great stretch going into the Futures game. He was like 20th as far as uh, like you know offensive, you know, metrics like WRC plus for Double A, and he was like two years younger than all the guys who were the 19 people above him. You know, so that's, that's a good sign right there that he, cause I think he only just turned 21 too. So he could, he's projected to be up. I think most people have him like June of maybe May or June of 2022. It's, there's a lot to like, you know, some people were saying he could be a guy who steals a lot of bases cause he does have speed. I don't really know if that's going to be his game long-term. He's a big guy. I didn't realize how big he is. He's like six, four. When he was standing next to Ken Griffey Jr. And Griffey presented the trophy for the MVP. I was like, whoa, I didn't, sometimes you forget Dexter Fowler was like that. Do you forget every now and then there's, there's six foot four, six foot five inch center fielders? Cause you know, you sometimes still think of that little five foot nine inch guy who just could fly around the outfield, but yeah, he's a big guy.
0: Yeah, he certainly is. And it's, it's funny that you mentioned that. Cause I uh, was at a nationals game a couple of years ago and Buster Posey walked out. We had great seats, like right on the field level first, first row or kind of like in the outfield, Buster Posey walks out and, Buster Posey's also kind of a bigger dude than I expected. (laughs) I looked at the front eyes with eyes like that's life-size Buster Posey's like he is always life-size. You just have not (laughs) seen him this close. I was like, that's, that's reasonable and fair. You know, we are a little bit over time for our break and what better place to take a break than on the high note of Brennan Davis and the future. We have a couple more low notes on the flip side, but you'll want to hear what they are because we are going to um, talk about the Cubs culture, what is going on in the clubhouse, some comments from my favorite and where we stand on that. We're also going to look at some upside for the future. Um, The Cubs draft who they took and what we can expect from them. And then we're going to talk about the series for the second half looking specific. The Cubs finally get to play the Diamondbacks, y'all. Like, all these other teams have been sweeping the Diamondbacks. The Cubs have not had their shot. They're going to get their shot in the second half. But first, a quick break. And... We are back. Before we get into the good news, the draft, the Diamondbacks, let's talk about these comments from Wilson Contreras, who I felt like kind of channeled a little bit of his inner Miggie Montero there, just like I am going to speak freely to the media and see what happens. Uh, You know, that got Miggy DFA'd back in 2017. I do not think that is going to be the case with Wilson Contreras. I think the Cubs have kind of set themselves up where Wilson Wilson's the guy that has to stay. I've had to listen to Wilson Contreras trade rumors for a really long time. I do not think this team is going to, I don't think that the front office is going to turn this team over to Robinson Trinos. I don't think Miguel Amaya is anywhere near ready. I think that Wilson is one of the leaders of this team and he spoke his mind. And what he said was that, you know, it can't just be a few guys putting out the max effort all the time. And and a lot of people thought this was a swipe against uh, Bryant against Rizzo. Wilson specifically caveated the play of Javier Baez as being a guy who shows up every single day. I think that what this unveiled for me is that there's some dissension in the clubhouse. And we knew this already. We saw Wilson and Rizzo kind of get into it in the dugout. Uh, I think it was during the Mets series. But we, I, you're looking, I don't remember exactly what series Joe's looking like. I might have. No, I don't either. I don't know
1: if it was the Mets. <laughs> but I don't know if it was that. It could be the Mets. I was I was looking up to because I'm, I'm like, what is it? Uh, I wasn't doubting you. I just wasn't no, sure. No, you're
0: you're good. I'm <laughs> doubting me. Um, but what do we think about this clubhouse moment? You know, the the thing that was most surprising to me about this was that David Ross didn't get Wilson's back. To be quite honest.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not really sure. There is a there's David Ross does have some old school. Tendencies in him still, even though I do think he's uh, more new school, probably. If he's if I was gonna do like a split, he'd probably be 60% new school, 40% old school, I guess. Um, he just wanted to keep it in-house. He didn't like that Wilson went to the press. And typically I would agree with that too. I don't like when players go to the press first. But then for all we know, Sarah, Wilson could have been like, trust me, I've been saying this in the locker room. It's it's falling on deaf ears. I'm frustrated. I didn't want to lie to the press anymore and act like everything was all hunky dory. And for that, I would respect Wilson even more than I already. You know, I already have a ton of respect for the guy. I think it's interesting. how There's been some. I mean, the, the quote's been dissected in so many different ways. One, I, I wish I could give credit to who said it, but I think what he meant by saying the way I play and the way Javi plays is they do wear their hearts on their sleeves and they're very passionate. Where Bryant, you know, during a lot of his All Star game interviews i feel like the all-star game has just become like a three-day press conference for all stars you know what i mean it's like every time i was scrolling through twitter or turn on espn it was like they're asking more and more questions what's your favorite color and all this and um chris basically said i show up to play every single day as soon as i wake up in the morning and think about baseball baseball and, and i believe him but chris is also a very kind of stoic you know what i mean um he's not as he's not kyle hendricks like stoic you know, like to, to the outsider looking in, someone might say, "Does Kyle Hendricks even care?" Trust us, he cares. He, that's just not in his personality. Um, I do think where Wilson's frustration is is that he has always played on competitive teams. He came up in the in June of 2016, so all he's known is winning baseball. So, and he's and he should be rightfully so to be frustrated. I think we all feel Wilson's anger. Um, I'm, I'm glad he's turning into a leader, and there's a good chance that I don't know if he was mad at. Bryant, but I could see him being a little upset with Rizzo and I don't know what's going on within the clubhouse. I can only speculate. I feel like Rizzo took it really hard when they didn't get an extension done in the spring. And I think he went into the season with kind of a cloud over his head. I think Ian Happ had something similar with the arbitration thing. He's thinking if we're going to arbitration for four hundred thousand dollars. I had I was the only guy Ian Happy's the only guy that hit in the playoffs. He's like, you know, I've done you know, I'm I, I earning this money. How cheap are we going to be? And so they all kind of went in thinking, I'm going to show you what I'm worth. And we know baseball is a mental game. And when you try too hard, you usually, the opposite happens. And I feel like a lot of struggles happen. And then they got the losing streak. And maybe there's a bad attitude in, in the clubhouse right now. I, and I think Wilson, who's a guy who I believe is a big time law of attraction guy. He's big on affirmations. He's big on, you know, you create your own reality and having a positive mindset. He's very spiritual, maybe religious. I don't know if he's religious, but I know he's spiritual because I follow him on Instagram. He will post, like, a lot of, like, positive stuff, like, like yeah, Bert Elsely does, too. And, you know, a guy like that, when he sees a lot of negative energy around him, is going to react the way he did. And I have no problem with Wilson saying it. Um, maybe say it to your teammates first before the – the reporters i suppose but then again i don't i don't fault anyone for when they get asked the question and they speak their mind i can't fault. I, it's one it's a weird thing where i'm not really too mad at anyone in this david ross also doesn't want people to just he doesn't want to set a precedent where he's, he's okay with players going to the press before going to the team i think that was his probably his thing i'm not sure uh, but i know ross has a ton of respect for Contreras. i came because when i went to google ross someone said oh you heard ross responded I went to Google Ross's response, like I just had Ross Contreras and I found a quote from last year and then this year about how Wilson has become an unbelievable catcher and he's such a leader out there. I've got, no, you know, he's one of the best catchers in the game. Like, you know, so I don't I don't really think there's bad blood. I think there's just tons of frustration. And when you're around your coworkers every day like that, some of it's going to, you know, spill over, um, I think. If Contreras and Rizzo both signed five-year extensions, I'm sure the two of them will be happy to play with each other for the next five years. I don't think it's as serious as in, you know what, Anthony, you're not coming to my birthday. You know, I don't <laughs> think it's at that level.
0: Yeah, I would agree with all of that. I think that the one thing I just want to be super clear about, because I've heard a little bit of this chatter in Chicago sports media, and, and sports media sometimes is just the worst. But I, I've heard a couple talking heads uh, speculate that Contreras must be gone because – the he made this comment and Ross didn't like the comment. And I'm like, I don't think that's true at all. I actually think that this is the first trade deadline where unless they get absolutely blown away on an offer for Contreras, and and I mean blown away, like three top 100 prospects, including a guy who can probably be in your starting rotation in 2022. I don't think Contreras is going anywhere. I, I can't imagine it. I They're not set up to part with him. He's the one position and the one guy who I think they could reasonably get an affordable extension done with the Sal Perez model is pretty much exactly what you should offer. Wilson Contreras. Wilson is one year younger than Sal Perez. They have similar amounts of playing time. They have very similar stat lines. Wilson is a slightly better framer at this point. Yes, really look it up. Um, he Sal Perez uh, and Wilson strike out at about the same rate. It is a, an uncannily similar And so if you want to, you know, do a five year, $85 million deal, or maybe you could do six years, a hundred because Wilson is a year younger and call it good. I think that that is something that is eminently doable. And with the improvements that he's made, and this is why I'm always so high on Wilson Contreras, you know, you look at where he started and where he is. He was never the marquee prospect. He was never the hobby. He was never the hap. He was never the Bryant He was the guy who came up because Kyle Schwarber tore up his knee and the Cubs needed a catcher when Montero or Ross got hurt, right? Like this was not in the plan. And here he is. He never went back. He was like, I'm just going to work hard and stay. And my framing's bad. I'm going to fix it. (laughs) This is bad. I'm going to fix, you know, he's just been outstanding for this team. And I think that he's the piece they might really build around in the future.
1: You're right. He's got the right attitude. And I think he's the guy they keep too because for all the reasons you just said if i could just add one more it's that the cubs are definitely going to have a younger pitching staff going forward and who better to have than a competitive guy like wilson contreras who calls a good game knows the psyche of his pitchers you know he know like this is a guy who is confident enough to tell john lester just throw the effing ball already you know what i mean like how how great like i'm i'm a huge wilson contreras fan i don't think as big as you are uh, my only knock on him is like, buddy, stop getting thrown out of third base. <laughs> you got to understand you're not that fast. Like, but, that is, but that's one of those things too where I heard Madden say and Ross said, it's like, ah, you don't want to coach out that kind of aggressiveness. I'm like, sure, you don't, but it's frustrating sometimes. Um, but no, he's, he's, a, he's a great team leader. And like you like you just said, five years, 85 million seems doable. You can even throw in an option year if you'd like. Um, six, six years, I'd be fine with two. If that gets to that point, then you got a heck of a trade trip with Miguel Amaya. You have to think of all these things. And, you know, Miguel Amaya, though, has got – maybe you switch him to first base, and I'm still a big Anthony Rizzo supporter. I think someone who does that much for your organization needs to stick around. Um, And he's a high contact bat. Maybe Rizzo goes to the DH. Um, Yes, I believe the DH is coming soon. Listeners who might not want it, you might have to get used to that. It's coming. Uh, But, yes, I 100% Wilson Contreras is, is the right guy to lead this pitching staff going forward.
0: I agree with you that uh, Rizzo could be a great DH. And I also think that the DH is inevitable. So people are just going to have to get over that. Um, Let's move on to talk about a little bit more of the future here. The Cubs draft was, I I thought great. Uh, Their their pick they took in the first round, Jordan Wicks, not to be confused with Rowan Wick or Brad Weck, uh, is a left-handed pitcher from Kansas, Kansas State, Kansas. Which one's the purple one? Kansas State. State. Uh, And, I love, okay. I love two things about this. His below and, and changeup um, profile really kind of profile is like a left handed Kyle Hendricks to me with a twist where that changeup is so elite that I've seen it on, in multiple outlets compared to Cole Hamill's. And I just, I mean, with what the Cubs pitch lab has done in terms of command and stuff guys, I feel like you give them a guy who is a Cole Hamels in the rough and they're going to do, they can do that. Like that is a guy who could be, you know, at a two number two, number three, piggyback a wicks with an Alzali. I think you have a real nice um top of the rotation there that is homegrown. And and it's been a long time since I've been able to say that about a Cubs pitching prospect.
1: Yeah, it's very it's very interesting and kind of exciting with the, the pitching aspect of things, you know. I uh they've the Cubs famously, you know, if you if anyone's ever read the book The Cubs Way. Tom Verducci's book that came out after the Cubs won the World Series in 2016, they talked about how they were all about drafting hitters because pitching is so unpredictable. And now things have shifted because obviously you should want to do both, of course. With uh, with Jordan Wicks, I think something changed with him during the season too with velocity. Because I was uh, Brian Smith, who I know you're, I'm sure you're a fan of too. Uh, you know, writes for Bleacher Nation and he's a great Cubs prospect guy. Uh, he had seen him and had a little wrote a little report about him before the year started and kind of mentioned like oh 91, 92 at the fastball. And then when the, I saw highlights of him, I'm like, that, is the radar gun hot here because it's saying 96. And then he updated saying, Oh, he his velocity increased as the year went on, and he must have tweaked something with his mechanics to get a little bit more push from his lower half. And now his his velocity was getting up to like 94, 95 pretty consistently. So that kind of puts you I saw John Lester comp with a. I saw John Lester with Cole Hamill's changeup, and um, what's not to like about those two? So, and I, there's a lot to like about that guy. It feels like, you know, you get a college pitcher that's that seasoned. They don't stay in the minors too long because if the command's there, what's the point of keeping him down there? You're just wasting innings. You have the same amount of years of control anyway. Um, so if he you know He'll start soon enough, I'm sure, in low, low A or the Arizona uh, Complex League just to get some some looks. And then you could see him in 2023 even. That's not out of the realm of possibility. I don't think you see him in 2022, but in 2023, there's a very good chance that he uh, finds his way into that rotation. And you're right, there's a lot of young pieces. Justin Steele and Keegan Thompson are going to get looks. I, I still love Adbert's upside. I know his ERA is in the mid-fours and the home run ball. He's given up to lefties a little too much, so he's going to develop a change changeup. But he's made a lot of really good hitters look bad. And that's what I look for with a young pitcher. How many of these, you know, he struck out Acuna, Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, Arenado. I mean, he's striking out guys who aren't aren't strikeout guys. And they're walking away going, what was that pitch in regards to his slider and his fastball rides 95, 96? So, you know, there's still, there's some exciting arms to be excited about, Cubs fans. Did I say exciting enough in that last sentence? Wow. <laughs> hey,
0: I'm excited. I- I'm also excited about a couple other picks that the cubs got in this draft i want to talk about james triantos for a second triantos is a high school pick which the cubs are not really a team that go after high school players unless they truly truly believe in them brennan davis was one of those high school players that they went after uh ed howard in last year's draft was another one you so, game last night yeah absolutely so you know when triantos got announced as their second round pick and interestingly he's he you know, was in the draft as a shortstop. The Cubs announced him as a third baseman. I think that was a little bit of a tell on the Cubs' parts for for what they see here. I'm a big fan of a back forward guy who can play a passable shortstop and probably get you know move, gets moved to third and is maybe elite at the hot corner.
1: That's another swing I saw that, you know, I didn't know much about. I'm not the biggest on digging up prospects too much. I do that more in the offseason. I try to enjoy the season in front of me. But as Cubs fans, now we're going to have to start looking into them. I watched uh, some YouTube videos on him and, the, you know, the videos that have been shared around on Twitter, of course. Another nice, natural swing. that just... looks like it's major league ready as well. I mean, of course, he's going to have to face the pitching and all that. That metal bat sound will drive you crazy, though, when you watch highlight videos of high school kids. And um, but no, definitely looks like an athlete. That guy looks like a a potential five tool player. And I heard one person, he's not a switcher, though. So the comparison maybe was not the best. But someone mentioned as far as like frame and, and potential size, Chipper Jones, who I was then reminded was drafted as a shortstop. And then was moved over to third because he was kind of you know a little bit bigger. Usually, they you want a little more flexibility at that spot.
0: I love that. Anytime you're comparing high school kids to Hall of Famers, let's let's do. Let's, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying he's gonna be a Hall of Famer. I, I do. I do think that when you hear those sort of high high level comps, it, it lets you know that there are scouts that believe that this person has a really high ceiling. Right. I think that it's that is not to say that Triantos is going to the Hall of Fame. it, it is to say that. He has a lot of potential and in in the right system could do some real damage. Um, I'm going to move on from the draft for just a second because we are running a little short short on time here. And I want to make sure that we talk about a couple of other things, specifically the state of the NL Central and this upcoming series with the Diamondbacks. I mean, I'm just going to be real honest with you people. The Brewers are in the driver's seat. They the offensive problems that they had at the start of the season that they were sort of masking with their pitching, they have managed to fix with the addition of Willie Adamas. They went out and got Rowdy Tellez from the Blue Jays for like almost nothing. And Rowdy Tellez is one of these stat cast darlings that hasn't really demonstrated what he can do in MLB. But the barrel rate is absurd. And a lot of people who look at like launch angle and exit velocity and all, love Rowdy Tellez. So the Brewers may have just gotten a real steal in that bat since the Blue Jays didn't have a spot for him and I am I may have to become a Reds fan because I don't think I can cheer for the Brewers after the last few seasons I definitely am not going to cheer for the Cardinals and I like Nick Castellanos I I might have to put my Reds cap on to cheer for uh Castellanos and Winker going to chasing down the Brewers because it doesn't look like the Cubs are going to do it.
1: You know, if the Reds win the World Series, I think that increases the odds of Nick Castellanos opting out because his value will be so high, and that gives us another crack at righting the wrong of not re-signing him when we had the chance. So I could root for the Reds. Let's see, the Reds haven't won a World Series since 1990. I, when I was a child, um, after my parents' divorced, my dad would take my sister, older sister and I on road trips to see the Cubs. And we caught a game early. We caught the last game of the Phillies Reds, and then the Cubs were playing the Reds the very next day. So we went to that game as well. And I saw Lenny Dykstra rob Chris Sabo of what would have been a bases clearing double, and Dykstra banged into the wall and shattered his collarbone and was out for the season after the play. Anyway, that was just a little fun fact for everyone. Um, yeah, I, could, I don't want to root for the Brewers. The Milwaukee fans have gotten very chirpy uh, lately, and we get to remind them that they've never won a World Series, which is nice. I don't understand. I don't even get. I when they were winning, I was like, all right, they've got this three-headed monster of their top three in the rotation. Those guys are all legit and really, really good, and they've got a really solid bullpen. Craig Council, such a head scratcher of a manager, because there are times where we face them, and I'm like, why is he going to this guy in the seventh inning? It's the the first game of the series. He's going to be not available the next two days. What is Council doing? But seems to work overall. I don't get it. I really don't. Their hitting is bad, but you're right. They made two moves that really kind of stabilized them in a way. Because at one point, I remember every Cubs fan saying, we should have gotten Wong, we should have gotten Jackie Bradley Jr. And I go, yeah, great defensive players. Jackie Bradley Jr. was having one of the worst offensive seasons in baseball. Like, he was so guard level. Um, and and Wong, I think, is still He's probably about average at this point, but there, he was struggling there for a stretch.
0: Yeah, I uh, was looking at the Brewers offense for a piece that I'm working on, and I haven't quite unraveled all the mysteries of it. So that's that's a Bizarre. couple weeks away. I, I'm trying to figure out, you know, Willie Adamas was a sub, he was a below average offensive um, player for the Tampa Bay Rays for, for years. <laughs> he was like a 95, 96-ish WRC plus guy. Great glove good guy to have on your team, but just like not really the dude that you bring in for offense. He comes to Milwaukee's, he's been on fire. It's every position in the lineup. It's every person he faces. It's against every pitch. I don't know if it was just a change of scenery thing or what, but Willie Thomas is doing some damage for the Milwaukee Brewers in a way I didn't expect. It might cool off at some point. I actually... And and Rowdy Telez, like I already said, I think is, he's a legit bat and could really, really give them an offensive boost. Um, In terms of the Reds, I mean, I think that the Reds are, there's only one player on the Reds I don't like. I don't like Amir Garrett. No no Cubs fan likes Amir Garrett. But frankly, like Nick Castellanos almost makes up for Amir Garrett. Joey Joey Votto is Joey Votto, right? Like I, Nick Castellanos, (laughs) if you did not see it, on the red carpet where everybody wears like Versace suits that were like made for them with their, you know, El Nino in the in the pocket or whatever. Nick Cassianos was wearing jeans and a T-shirt that his son made him. He's like, yeah, this was a present from my son for my 29th birthday. And I decide I wanted a special occasion to wear it to And his little kid is standing right next to him, like just glowing that his dad is wearing the shirt that he drew. <laughs> and i have never loved anything more.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was really great. He's he's a great person, Nick Castellanos. and um yeah, that's uh, that's one that he should still be in blue because when you see that famous gif where he hits the home run and slams the bat down, he looks better in blue than in red. He just looks he looked like a cub and he he really wanted to be yeah, god, we could we could do an hour of a sobbing podcast talking about how he should still be in blue. A couple other cool red carpet people though. Uh, Chris Bryant and his son Kyler had a cool look going on. And then I don't know if you saw the Freemans. Wow. I've never seen a suit look so good on a kid. Their son must've been like four or five years old, I think. And he was rocking that suit. I mean, he looked cool as hell.
0: The Freemans were hysterical because I don't know if you saw this uh, picture from Danny Vietti uh, who covers the Padres, I believe. But so picture of uh, Freddie Freeman's son, with fernando tatis jr and apparently early in the season when um freeman was hitting about 220 his kid walked up to him and said dad you need to hit better because i want to go to the all-star game to meet fernando tatis (laughs) and he he was just like and freeman's like is that the only reason i should hit better he's like yeah (laughs) so the kid got to meet fernando tatis and i thought that was adorable
1: Yeah, that's pretty nice. Yeah, Freeman's a free agent. I wonder, how come we're not hearing any sell rumors with Atlanta? Why is it just Cubs people have to sell all their pending free agents?
0: You know, we are hearing sell rumors with Atlanta now, but uh, I think that most of those are after Acuna or his ACL. So I think that as long as they had Acuna, who was, that's such a, I'm so sad about it, because he was having just a dynamite season, and he's such a fun player to watch. I think as long as he was in the lineup, you sort of felt like they had a shot, a real legit shot, to run down the Mets or the Phillies, that NL East division is weak, man. It is. It is. Nobody really seems to want to win it. All of those teams have flaws. They're going to have to make huge moves just to get to the playoffs, let alone win the thing. Um, but without Acuna, I don't know. I don't know what the Braves do. And Freeman is a is a primo trade chip.
1: Yeah, it's true. And you're, I agree with everything you just said there. You know what's weird about the NL East? I I can't believe it still. The Marlins are in last place, but they're one of the only teams with a plus run differential. They're well, like a plus 20. I don't understand how they're not winning though.
0: Let's talk about the Marlins. Cause the Marlins are a great segue to this upcoming series, how the Cubs are going to start their second half. The Cubs finally get to play the Diamondbacks in Arizona. I like this at the start of the second half, right after the all-star break. Cause you don't have all the normal stuff that you get with a West coast trip and you have time zones and jet lag and you were coming off Sunday night baseball. And now you have to play at 10 o'clock at night or whatever. Uh, they just get to play in Arizona, right? And I'm sure that a few of the guys have been out there for a few days just waiting to make you know to make sure they're ready to rock at the start of the second half. But I'm a little nervous about this because the Cubs have actually been better against good teams this season than they have been against bad teams, right? Like the Cubs swept the Dodgers. The Cubs swept the Padres. The Cubs the Mets. looked pretty good against a Mets team. They did not look good against the Marlins. I was at those games. They were terrible. That The Cubs looked like they kind of rolled over and died when the Marlins came into town. The Cleveland baseball team, who has not been great this season. The Cubs did not look good <laughs> against that team. And I am worried that this team is going to be kind of deflated. They're staring down the barrel of a million trade rumors. And they might just walk into Arizona and lose two out of three or all three.
1: You know, I would have uh, totally agreed with you, but I was actually thinking the other day that they're going to start the second half. I know a lot of teams aren't big on team meetings, but I feel like the Cubs are going to, I think David Ross is going to have a little gathering before they kick off the second half. Maybe a little rah-rah halftime type speech. um, where Maybe Rizzo talks, maybe Wilson talks, where they're basically going to be like, hey, we can't control what's going to happen behind the scenes. We all know this is the side of the baseball business that can be tough on all of us. But, hey, if this is going to be our last go, let's have some fun. Let's play some good baseball. And I could actually see them doing well this weekend against Arizona. Now, if you would have told me, say we were playing Arizona to start the month of July, you know, because everyone kept saying we just have to survive June. And the first stretch, it looked like they were going to survive June. Because I remember thinking if they go 500 in June, we'll be in good shape. And then they, they really fell off the, 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 the rails there at the end. I think they finished June like 12 and 16. If we would have faced the Diamondbacks after that, I would have been like, they're going to sweep us. They're going to beat it. You know, baseball's so weird like that. And I feel like the Cubs in particular, um, yeah, it's just such a mental game that on paper, these good teams should beat bad teams all the time, but they don't. I remember we lost two out of three to the Pirates one series, and everyone's like, we can't even beat the Pirates. I'm like, well, it's baseball. It's April. I'm not going to write anything off yet, because watch, we'll sweep the Dodgers. And someone's like, yeah, right. And then we did. So I felt good there. But then right after the Pirates took two out of three from us. They took two out of three from the Padres. I'm like, the Padres are awesome, or at least they should be. But then I remember telling people, relax, the Pirates will be the Pirates at the end of the year. San Diego will be where they should be. And we're a mystery because of the way things were set up This going into the year. I feel like there was a lot going into this year that if we didn't get off to a good start and all this, as as you mentioned earlier, it was going to be selling time.
0: Yeah, the transitive property of we beat this team and they beat that team. Therefore we are better than that team is it does not really work in baseball well at all. Um, Although it's fun to, it's fun to play that game. You know, I will say that the, the thing that stood out to me with the Cubs first half record, and this will be telling going forward as they lose some of these bullpen pieces, I feel like a lot of those victories in May were the result of one run games that the Cubs managed to hold on to because they had such a, three-headed monster at the end of that bullpen not just three-headed like a lot of guys were contributing to that bullpen run of success where the Cubs didn't give up an earned run for like 39 innings or whatever it was right you know you had Keegan Thompson out there with a zero ERA for like 19 innings you had Justin Steele doing his thing before he landed on the IL you had Winkler throwing really well and then you had Tapara Chafin and Kimbrell And if you could get to the seventh inning with even just a one-run lead, the Cubs were going to win that game, even if they weren't hitting. And what flipped in June, at least as far as I can tell, is they started losing those one-run games. They would fall behind before the fifth inning. And so Ross, instead of pushing the Winkler button or pushing the Keegan Thompson button, would push the Rex Brothers button. And then the next thing you know, the Cubs are down five. And all of a sudden, they're not going to score five runs because the offense is spotty and streaky. And yeah. the difference between the Winkler button and the Brothers button, it turns out, is huge.
1: <laughs> I know. There were a lot of one-run games. I was going over the Dodgers series because I was trying to find like a highlight to talk about, like a favorite moment in, in the first half. And you know, sweeping the Dodgers was really nice. I remember, Kershaw only lasted one inning. The offense, too, during that stretch with Matt Duffy and Nico Horner. And in the one game, we had a walk-off against the Dodgers to complete the sweep. Rizzo had the game-winning hit, but Matt Duffy got on base, scored the game tying run in the 10th, and then he had the base hit to tie it again in the 11th, because we had given up the lead. So it was almost like the Matt Duffy game, because he was just doing, it was just, it's so, it's so interesting, the domino effect in plate approaches, because Matt Duffy and Nico Horner just adding two more high-contact bats was enough to have other players have better at bats. I think it's contagious. I use the analogy in basketball. When you have one player on your team diving for loose balls, it makes everyone else play better on defense. They see that, and they go, well, I don't want to be the lazy one. And you have a guy like Matt Duffy just giving you professional bats and Nico Horner, too, and made everyone else kind of have more professional bats And then when that went away, coupled in with starters only going three innings, and then you're right, Rex Brothers being the middle relief guy, and, you know, it just kind of all just snowballed there. You know, for they started – they are eight and four to start June. First 12 games, they won eight. And I remember being like, we're going to be fine. And then the injury, injuries will always catch up to any team. They really will.
0: Yep, absolutely. They, they will catch up. And baseball, the long season, you know, shows who you truly are. That's part of what it does. Yep. I mean, I don't think that it usually shows you it as starkly as it has with the Cubs this season. But it did. Uh, let's end on a high note. Let's not end on yes, losing. Yes, yes. Sorry, sorry. And the Cubs no, no, it's fine. Um, so let's look at these pitching probable matchups for the games. Friday's game will start at 840. So make sure you've got your coffee or whatever uh, when this game starts in Arizona. It's going to be a late one. But uh, so we've got Friday, Kyle Hendricks against, uh, you know what? The Diamondbacks don't have any pitchers up. They are all TBD. So let's just like throw that out there right now. But to put this in perspective, the Diamondbacks have been, Very not good this year. They have been, you know, Baltimore Orioles, Pirates. Diamondbacks have been worse. The Diamondbacks have a 26 and 66 record. They don't have any pitchers listed at this moment in time. The Cubs are going to roll out Hendricks. Alzelay and Davies, it really looks like they want to start that second half strong with their three best pitchers. Um, And then their TBD for the Cardinals series that starts on Monday. What are you looking for from Kyle Hendricks to start with, to start off the second half?
1: Just continue what he's been doing. Um, He's been doing a really great job. I I was looking at his numbers the other day. If you remove those two brave starts in April, in which he gave up seven runs and I think six runs and only a a couple innings here or there, his area on the year would be like 2-9, which is pretty, that would have made him an all-star, I feel like. Uh, So yeah, he's been on a real nice roll. Continue to keep the ball down, mix up his changeups a little bit. The home run balls bit him a little bit uh, more so. But it, they've been solo shots, which you could live with. Um, so yeah, just more of the same from Kyle Hendricks. And Advert is, I, I think I mentioned a little bit earlier, he needs to keep the ball in the ballpark, especially against left-handed hitters. I feel like he's doing amazing against righties and against lefties. That slider doesn't play as well as it does to righties, so he needs to really work on a changeup. I think would really help him.
0: Yeah, I totally. I think that Advert needs another pitch. I. I could not agree with you more. I think that what's happening with him is that he's not quite getting the the slider is elite, but he's not quite getting the deception that he needs. He needs another pitch that he can work into there. And so hopefully that's something he works on in the second half. And then in the off season, because I think that if he, if he can get that going, he's a legit two, three guy. And you know, maybe in a couple of years, you get wicks in there. You got another two, three guy, sign, sign one guy who can like uh, add to your rotation. You got Kyle Hendricks at the top. I think that that's a legit rotation going forward. I don't know what the Cubs are going to do with Jake Arrieta. I have said numerous times on this podcast, I think he needs to move to the bullpen. I think that Alec Mills at the end of the first half sort of proved that he is ready for a spot in the rotation. And so that fifth spot is pick your poison. Do you want Trevor Williams or Jake Arrieta every fifth day?
1: It's interesting because, you know, it's like you want a higher draft pick? Start Jake Arrieta every day. Uh, is that positive? That's a positive spin in a way. Well, you know, well, Justin Steele, I believe, will be up in August. We didn't mention Zach Davies as a trade target. I feel like if he is another good start or two before the deadline, he's someone that San Diego might want back because they have three pitchers on the IL right now, including you, Darvish, and Snell. And Davies had a great year with San Diego last year. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they came knocking for him. Um, yeah, so you know what, there, there's going to be some exciting stuff there to root for. I feel like, you know, if, you, if, you're, have, if you've you're only known Cubs baseball since 2015, which I imagine most of the people listening are have been diehard fans a lot longer than that. I kid people on Twitter. This this is what you have to do sometimes when your team's not competing. you got to look for the storylines. What's Justin Steele going to look like? They've been stretching him out. He went like five innings last time. The, you know, you're going to take a look at him. Is Adbert going to develop a change up to third or lefties? Let's... If if we keep Javi, let's root for him to hit that 40 home run mark. You know, you root for, like, the individual storylines right there and to try to keep the rest of the summer fun because it's still going to be August in Chicago, right? We still still love the Cubs. It's going to be
0: fun. Well, and tickets are going to be cheaper, and the beer will still be expensive, but we'll be able to get in to watch those Cubs games for uh, a cheaper price. You know, I am... It's been a long time since I've had to deal with a Cubs losing season. I will say this. We do not give a lot of love to Marquee Sports Network on this podcast, particularly because sometimes they bring in people like Chris Myers and make me want to pull my hair out for multiple, like an entire weekend because I can't understand why this dude who says El Majo is calling Cubs games on the Cubs Network, which is just out of control. Anyway, I digress. Uh, Marquee Sports Network is going to be airing a lot of iCubs games This summer, you're going to get to see some of these prospects. You're not going to have to take my word for it or Josh Timmer's words for it, our minor league guy over at Bleed Cubby Blue. Um, You can watch some of this talent for yourself and see what the Cubs have in store. Joe, where can people find you? Where can they find your work to follow the Cubs through the second half and to get through this trade deadline season, which I think is always the worst part of the year?
1: Well, uh, they could listen to me at Lockdown Cubs podcast when they're not listening to this great podcast, and uh, you can follow that at Lockdown Cubs. I'm at Joe Kilgallen on Twitter, and if you like stand-up comedy, that's rated R. Don't watch with your children. You could go to YouTube.com/slash Joe Kilgallen.
0: Awesome, Joe is quite funny. I highly recommend watching his stand-up comedy, and he will keep you smiling uh, on Cubs Twitter. So definitely give him a follow. He does great recaps of every game, um, and you know it's just. It's going to be one of those seasons where we need to find some smiles. So don't follow the people who are telling you that, like, the team's got to be burned down and, like, everything is disaster. It's not. This is not 2012. The Cubs don't need a five-year rebuild here. They need maybe a year, maybe two to get everything back in order, and the Cubs will be right back. When the Cubs are back on top, we will be here with everything you need to know about the Chicago Cubs here at Cup of Cubby Blue. You can follow me at at BCB underscore Sarah. When Andy is back, you can follow her at at BRYZ underscore blue. You can follow both of us at at Cup of Cubby Blue, and we will be back after this Diamondback series to tell you everything you need to know about Cubs cards. Bye.